Welcome to the family with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Rappernard, and Mike Bryant. We'll be right back. Special guest coming up next with the family. You want to go live again? Sure, we can go Michael live Bryant, again. Bradshaw and Bryant. Let's see. Um, well, we get called all the time. I, I got called over the weekend a couple of different times by people that had been detained that were asking whether they should take tests or not. So we get called all the time. And one of the things is, is uh, my partner, Joe, was president of trial lawyers, and I was president of trial lawyers. We know lots of other lawyers. So we get calls for other types of claims, and we give people referrals all the time. We don't charge people for that. And that's the biggest thing is when you call us, we don't charge you to give you advice or charge you to go through uh, whatever issue you got. So that's what we do at Bradshaw and Bryant. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain at... Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J-Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. I do do do. I always do that during that song. I always go do do do. What do you think? Except when you're in Florida, then you do 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 later on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Later on. Yes, it's much later on. There's All no right. question. I believe we have uh, Trevor on the phone. Trevor, what's happening? Oh, not too much. I was the one that said that. Oh. I broke three bones in a year. Jeez, oh, God, what are you Trevor. up to? <laughs> Rugby? Well, I was a teenager. No, no, it's all being, me being stupid. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I broke my collarbone because I'd climb up these little popple trees in my, in my parents' house, and I'd sway them back and forth, and I could bend down to the ground. I'm like, oh, that's pretty fun. That does sound so cool. I did it on another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does. But I would do that. I did. Um, I did it on another one, but it had a V in the middle of part way up. So I started doing that and it broke off uh, and I fell about uh, 10 feet to the ground right on my shoulder. Oh, Ouch. so broke my collarbone and my mom and dad brought me into the, the doctor and they gave me a shot right in the ass and basically <laughs> numbed me up all over so they could move it and oh but that keeps you from having that bump in front though when yeah. it breaks because it puts it back yeah mm-hmm. so is it flat or did you end up still with the bump in front yeah. no it's flat no yeah that's why they did that 
but so and you, the other two breaks your fingers. <laughs> How did you break your fingers, Trevor? Well, one my middle finger I broke because I knelt on it on my trampoline. <laughs> oh, and oh, trampolines the, are big killers yeah. of children. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard a crack, and I'm like, "What was that?" It didn't because it didn't really hurt. So I looked at my hand, and my ring, my middle finger was over the top of my ring finger. Oh, and when I God. made a fist, it, like, crossed over the top of it. I'm like, I show my dad. I'm like, Dad, does this look right? He's like, no, no, that's not right. We should uh, go to the doctor now. <laughs> oh, God. So where'd you grow up? Trevor, where'd you grow up? Uh, New Richmond, Wisconsin. Oh, West okay. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Oh, I love that area. You used to go over and play golf there all the time. It was wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it's on old. DC. Oh, yeah, the damn good golf course. You used to go there with uh, the Warner Brothers from Warner Stellion. You used to go oh, there and okay. play a lot of golf with them. You're having a great time. So, All right, no more broken bones for a while, Buster. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. Ah, not nah. Get it, fingers crossed. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> God. Okay, Trevor, you're such a child. That's all I have to say. Right. All right. Yeah, it's right. right. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you. Have a good day. What do you want, dog? What are you doing? He's pawing me. What do you want? Wants to head to the house. You want to sit on this chair? Is that what you want? There you go. Oh, Jude. I don't know what the hell he wants. God, I'm I, I just checking out the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Holy Hannah, you can run into some politics in the Wall Street Journal. Oh, Man. Yeah. Bank of America's quarterly profit fell by 12% last quarter. That Bank of not, America? That's pretty much your profit, Why isn't is it? that? Uh, so the second largest uh, U.S. banker in $7.07 billion, which was down from $8.05 billion a year earlier. Uh, heard on street, bank stocks have to reckon with the downside of higher rates. It was the higher oh. rates that did it, yep. So the, with higher rates there, people aren't aren't getting loans or... I would assume they just money with the higher rates. Yeah, with higher rates, they'd make more money, but people must not be getting them. (laughs) So they'll just wait it out. What did it get up to? It got up to what, 17% back in the Carter administration? Oh my God, it was just terrible. I think it was 17. Can you imagine buying a house at 17% interest? Why would would you even bother? Yeah, Yeah. no, there's no point. I was still sad about that as I I never met him, but I talked to him on the phone a couple times. Jimmy Carter's a nice guy. He just is a nice man. You ever you ever talk to him? I've never talked to Jimmy. No. He's still He's doing Habitat guy. for Humanity. He He's like yeah. 100 years old. He's 100 years old. Or close to 100 anyway. Still swinging a hammer, apparently. Let's see. Jimmy Carter is 97. 97, 97 yeah. turned 98 in October. Really? And he's still, 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 old. still hammering the nails, trying to help people out. Which is na- Now, I, he just seems like such a nice man. Well, everybody's nice when they're really old. No, 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 no. I talked to him <laughs> years ago. But, I mean, historically, I mean, he, he going back to when he was in the Navy, he, yep. you know, saved a nuclear sub or was involved in that. What? I, I mean, he's that. got a, quite a history of all sorts of things he's done. Mm-hmm. You know, he, um, he, and he, it was odd how he became president, too, because it was so unexpected. Uh, you know, he didn't have a national background, and it kind of all came together after Watergate. It was more of a product of kind of going in a completely different direction that was different, oh. you know, that was outside Washington. Um, and that that was part of the issue with him was it was really hard for him to make deals with people because of of the situation with with him being such an outsider. 
You yeah, know, that's it, true. And that, yeah. that just made it hard. Is he had a bunch of people that just didn't want to deal with him. Was he so, a Republican or a Democrat? He was a Democrat. He was a Democrat. Was a Democrat. Yeah. He was right after Watergate. It was after you know Ford um, became president when Nixon stepped down. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, and then it brought Reagan in is what it did. Which you know for a lot of people complaining that there are probably a lot of people about Carter. They're probably really happy Reagan came in. So probably a good thing for him. <laughs> So, I guess yeah. I don't know. So. Just, I don't know. I always liked him. I, you know, obviously things weren't going too smoothly during that whole era and all the rest of it. But it was such a bizarre. But for the very things that you just named, you got a president stepping aside, and then you got a guy coming in, and then he didn't want to run again, and then you got Jimmy Carter in there, and he was maybe too nice a guy to be president of the United States. Yeah, he also got uh, that whole Iran uh, yeah. hostage thing. Yep. I mean, t- oh, to have right. him, you know, being held so that they didn't get released while he was still president was kind of yes was you know I, well that's what they do now i mean is that we're going to make you look bad mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff to make people look bad mm-hmm. so which you know just uh, i don't think we've talked about it uh, very much but you know the whole supreme court judge uh when you're going for a job that's a lifetime appointment it's a lifetime appointment it's not going to be easy and for people no. to complain about it no. not being easy, I mean, it, it just it amazes me all these people that whine about past people that got had tough times going through it. They got the job. If you got the job, it turned out okay. You know, however you went through it. I mean, I, I yeah. think Bork probably has a, a good argument. Garland probably has a good argument because they didn't get it. But if you went through it, you got vetted, you got the position, I don't understand how there's a big deal about that it's a it's not it's a lifetime appointment it should be tough to get through it that's pretty much it i agree it does seem like it is a bit hostile oh it's become very hostile yeah and i don't know why it has to be that hostile so i don't know it it, accusing people of all kinds of stuff like you know being a serial rapist isn't the greatest thing to do you know it's uh it is, uh, but it's a lifetime appointment, and so they go into all sorts of things in different ways. And if you get it, you got the job. So yeah. I'd quit complaining about it. Oh, I agree. I mean, you're at you know, it's one of the highest uh, positions in the land. So mm-hmm. yeah, you should have your big boy or big girl pants on and shut the hell up. But it does. I don't know if it has to be that hostile. D- does it have to be? No, I'd agree. Yeah, you know, I, I think we could. D- but, I think we could take it down a notch. Yeah, um, but. It's one of those with the position and what they go through and that they're there forever and there's really no way. I mean, part of the interesting thing with Thomas is this whole discussion about his wife. There is no rules. There there are no rules for Supreme Court judges the same way that you'd have with being able to get other people out. It's a different, it's a t- totally, it's a great job to get. We have our guest on the phone. Oh, okay. We are good to go. So uh, how's she doing so far? She Was she appointed when? She was appointed two weeks ago, or two, it's yeah. been two weeks yeah. already. Mm-hmm. And how is she doing? She's I don't okay. think she sat in an argument yet. Oh, I don't yeah. think. Okay. Um, oh, I don't. I don't think so. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called "The Five Year Voyage: Exploring Latin American Coasts and Rivers." Stephen Ladd, our special guest. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing great today. How are you? Martin, now is it Stephen or Stefan? Because I've been yelled at before for that. Stephen. It is Stephen, but some guys with yeah. the same spelling go with Stefan, don't they? Mm. Uh, well, it's, most people actually call me Steve, but as as an author name, it has to be Stephen. Oh, it's spelled with a PH. Sorry, it's not phonetic. <laughs> I'm stuck with a non-phonetic name. I'll just go with Kurt. SL. What do you think? <laughs> That's good. Just kidding. 
I have no problem. We'll go with Steve All Ladd. Right. Stephen Ladd, if you're going to buy the book, which you should, by the way. Um, that sounds I, I pretty just, intense. It's pretty, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stephen Ladd was born to travel. Given his lifelong experiences with daring global exploration, his natural uh, next escape from boredom was to navigate down the spectacular Central and South American coast. I, I, I want to stop reading and hear about this, Stephen. So, where, first of all, where'd you grow up? Right where I am now, Bremerton, Washington. Bremerton, Washington. Okay, so did you spend a lot of time? Uh, doing these things like in in your home, how did you get so interested in doing it? Because it sounds to me, what a great idea that was to do the Central and South American coast. Great idea. What what inspired you to do that? Well, my my family growing up was sort of adventurous. Um, oh, okay. All the skiing and boating and camping we did was pretty nonstop. So I just thought that was normal, and um, I just. Um, was open to the moon in terms of where I should go and what I should do. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, yeah, and they they had their share of adventures. When I was lost off the coast of uh, Colombia, South America, for six months because I had no communication with the outside world there, and people thought maybe I passed away. My, My brother was at the same time climbing Mount Denali. Wow. In Alaska, wow. which is one of the most difficult mountains in the world. So they had to worry about, my parents had to worry about both of us at that point. I was going to say. But we, guys, we, both, we both made it. Yes, you both, man. Well, that's great news. I'm glad to hear that. Honestly, guys. So your parents just get sicky and go, why don't you go to South America and you go. Was that the plan, Stephen? They were just trying to get away from you? <laughs> well, they, they ended up doing some traveling themselves. They became big travelers, too. Oh, good. So um, it wasn't just me. It was them, too. So yeah, Stephen Ladd was born to travel. So just, I want to hear all about it. So you've been—have you been all over the world? First of all, you don't sound—you don't sound like you're an elderly man, Stephen. You sound like pretty young. Well, I have a young family, but I am myself rather elderly. I'm—I'm I'm going to be seventy years old pretty soon. You seventy? You don't sound seventy yeah. at all. <laughs> well, I—I uh, I stay sort of young, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Yeah, I know a guy that uh, uh, that is seventy now. That uh, sounds pretty much like a seventy year old. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Stephen, you and I'll just celebrate no, keep, our birthday keep, together. Yeah, I keep the. Uh, I'm I'm still totally healthy enough to do anything I want to do, but I'm um, tied down by the fact that um, I had family late in life. I have a five year old and a nine year old, so oh, wow. we're we're not we're not going to go off and we're not going to buy a big boat and go sailing around the world. We're going to. We're going to raise our boys in a more traditional homes and school fashion. But I've, I've been uh, adventurous since, uh, well, my first memory, if you want to go back to the cradle, more or less, is that sure. at age three, and this is a true story, at age three, I left home, I ran away from home, and when I was found uh, about a quarter mile away by a policeman, he asked me what I was doing, and I told him the truth, my truth, which is that I was hunting bears. I thought I was hunting bears. I had a toy gun, and he uh, he insisted on taking me back home. But I had there was no reason he had to do so. I was in, I was just I was I was safe. I was doing what I wanted to do, and he he interrupted my plans. Oh, way to go, copper! <laughs> Typical. Yeah. Stephen, very quick buddy, story. Fighting into my business. Exactly. Very quick story. Just ties in a little bit with your story. Not not directly, but the age. 
Uh, we went to Easter brunch yesterday with the grandkids. Our grandkids are all, about to be six months, a three-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl. Uh, and the three-year-old boy we at the brunch, the five-year-old and the three-year-old were each given a, a little bucket with little bunny ears on it and a little bunny face on it so they could go and collect eggs and do all that great stuff, right? <laughs> so you got the picture in your mind, Stephen? The bunny bucket? Yes, certainly. We had... We had Easter egg hunt here yesterday. There you go. The reason I bring it up is because the three-year-old had the blue bunny bucket, and I thought I'd be a, a good dad, a grand, grandfather, good bop-bop. He calls me bop-bop. So I took the bucket, and I said, oh, what a cute bucket, and I kind of fake kissed it. I kind of went, I didn't actually kiss the bucket. I just went like You were making like out that. of that thing like crazy. I'm pretending to <laughs> kiss, the, uh, kiss the rabbit, picture the, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, the rabbit in the bucket. And I look over at him, three years old. He looks at me and says, and I quote, it's a bucket. <laughs> it's a bucket. It's not the Easter Bunny, Bob Bob. Get with <laughs> he it. thought I didn't know it wasn't the Easter Bunny, that it was just a bucket, but I wasn't smart enough to know that, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Stephen, it's... Well, they, they live in two worlds. They, they understand a lot about the real world, but they have that other world, too, which is their imagination. This is true. Okay, now I want to hear, how did you... First of all, did you did you how did you choose going Central and South American coasts and rivers? What well, did you always want to do this? A twenty-one foot craft, not exactly huge, but not small either, I suppose. So, how, how did it grab well, your uh, attention, Stephen? Yeah, the the uh, story really begins with my first book, three years in a twelve foot boat, in which I had designed a, a sailboat, and but before I started building it, the, the girlfriend, my girlfriend at that time. It was looking sketchy. Our relationship was looking like it might come to an end. Mm, okay. And so um, a friend of mine suggested that I just scale it down, and I, I literally did. I mean, I just changed the scale of the drawing. I didn't change the drawing. I just changed the scale of the drawing. And so it became 12 feet long. And I, why 12 feet instead of some other number? Well, I didn't need a big boat because I didn't have a girlfriend anymore. And uh, 12 feet long at that length, or that weight, or at that length, yeah, it was light. It was light enough that I could drag it up the beach by myself, mm. which I figured I could do with 250 pounds. And um, that was a pretty good formula because when you can drag your boat up out of the water, you have a lot more options for going odd places. And I had been, I'd done travels before that were not in boats, but a boat does have a lot of advantages of being able to have your little roof over your head, and in this case, a very small roof, but this 12-foot boat did have a very small cabin, and um, kind of sneak along the back the backwoods of uh, river riverine areas. And then when the, the, this voyage, the, the, new, the new book, and that voyage came about, now with my wife, um, we just got a boat that was similar in terms of its accommodation potential, but it has to be a little bigger because there's two of us instead. And uh, very practical and um, very uh, uh, adaptable, flexible for going places. Um, we, although it's too small, really, to go across an ocean, but we made passages of like two or three days at a time out at sea, which is not the funnest thing mm-hmm. in the world. But at the same time, you're we're so small that we can go up a little creek mouth. You know, you want to get out of the sea because mm-hmm. of the storms and stuff. You just got to get around behind a little something or other. The boat has no real draft to speak of. You can go in just super shallow water and nudge up onto a beach, you know. And then when we get down into South America, 
this is the the new book, Five Years, the Five Year Voyage. We um, we spent about half that time in the rivers of South America, just like almost all the rivers, just going all over the place, and um, we're portaging between the places where you can't really boat if there's a waterfall or rapids or a dam or something like that. We we found ways to get the boat from one place to another because it's so small and light. What a great story. You, you must just love your life. Mm, yeah, I do. <laughs> and you had a baby on this journey? Yeah. What? Yeah, we about <laughs> about halfway through, it was going so great that a new run. No, we kept the same one there. And um, <laughs> it was going so great. And we were on um, a huge tributary of the Amazon called the Madeira, which just means wood in Portuguese, and because uh, a lot of trees growing around there. And um, basically, I said, "Let's have a baby," and we did. You know, obviously nine months later, but um, <laughs> that conception occurred in Brazil, and then we were in some other countries like Paraguay, Argentina, and Uruguay. But then we. But then when it came time to have the baby, we could have had the baby in any of those four countries down there because they're all close together. But my wife said, I want to have it in Brazil. And so we proceeded um, until we got back into Brazil and had the baby there. And after we had the baby, we continued with the baby for about another year. Wow. And, then, um, and then kind of a concluding episode had to occur, which is that the mother and baby had to fly back home because to get back home, I had to leave the rivers, uh, come out the mouth of the Amazon and sail by saltwater coastline to get back home, which is what I attempted to do. Well, and plus, once the baby starts walking and doing all that stuff, probably yeah. not too. Cool. Yeah, you don't want the baby to get washed overboard. No, there's plenty of things <laughs> to worry that. about. Baby that, boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you baby-proof a boat? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard enough to baby-proof a house, but try to baby-proof a, a yeah. little boat that can capsize at any moment. Yeah, and you're busy. You're busy navigating the water. It's pretty hard to watch a kid at the same mm-hmm. time when they get older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what's so funny is you get things locked into your brain, and therefore you. That's why I tell people all the time you need to pay closer attention, because as you were talking. Uh, I was listening, and you mentioned the Amazon, and I went, Amazon? How would <laughs> It's like, wait a minute, he's talking about the river. <laughs> well, mean, it's interesting. It's I just clicked, Amazon's I, a different deal now. I clicked on his uh, link to Amazon, and it says, it's the number one new release in general Mexico travel guides. It's a very specific uh, topic. I'm thinking... <laughs> I don't know if that's that, the right... That's, we were only in Mexico for about... Uh, 15 pages of that book. Mm. So I don't know why they put it in that category. Well, being the number one new release on anything, I guess, on Amazon's uh, yeah, pretty good. I so. so congratulations for <laughs> that. <laughs> that's, a small, that's a small school to be competing in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small school to be. Uh, life has pretty much worked out the way you wanted it to, hasn't it, Stephen? Well, yeah. Um, I'm I'm still writing. I, the, the, um, I guess the... Uh, as a writer, I'm in a different situation than most writers. I write about the things that I've actually done. I'm not, I'm not a fiction writer. Um, I'm not writing philosophy or anything like that. But um, I've done, I just sort of realized that I've done so many crazy things. I've got enough things to just talk about things that I've done. So I'm now right. writing another book about previous voyages that I never, well, journeys, not, not in both, that I never bothered to even tell anybody about. But the craziest things have happened to me that, 
I don't have to make this stuff up. I've had, I've had all these things happen to me, and it, it behooves me to write some of these things down. And so, so that's what I'm doing. Okay, you got to go to Park Rapids, Minnesota, and put a <laughs> boat in and go all the way down the Mississippi. What do you think, Stephen? Well, that's um, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I picture that. Um, I, would, I would do that in a minute, yeah. You should. That should be your next um, one. Dodge on uh, the green barges. Just a plain old canoe would be good for that, I think. <clears throat> Until you get down to New Orleans, it might be a little, a little rushy down there. But the great thing about that is you could call me, and I could stand on the Broadway Bridge as you go under it and go, Hey, Stephen. <laughs> It'll be great. Mm-hmm. It'll work mm-hmm. out beautifully. There's no doubt about that. <clears throat> Always, has your family... Well, I, oh, God, sorry, go ahead. Just that um, I've already done half of that. It's the only the, only the northern half of that that, that it would be new new material for me because I, I went down to Missouri in, in, in the, in the oh, previous sure. voyage and then from where the Missouri enters the Mississippi, St. Louis, from there on down, already already been there, done that. Not to say I wouldn't do it again, but I, there is a preference for going to new new territory. No, I understand. Um, so the the Missouri... north part of the river is prettiest, I think. Oh, Probably is. It smaller, is. smaller streams generally are. Yeah, that's that's generally true. That's that's absolutely right. The Missouri breaks that uh, that's quite the uh, quite the scenery. I from what I understand, is that right? Yeah, the Missouri breaks. Um, when you're down inside them, you're in a deeply incised canyon. Well, you mm-hmm. don't really see what's what's up above. All oh, you know okay. is you're down in what seems to be some canyons flowing through hills. But it's really, it's really. If you're up above, it's all like plains, and so this is really just where the river has, you know, has gouged its way down into these canyons. Oh. <clears throat> so, how old were you when you when you decided I, I'm I'm going to do a boating thing on rivers? How, how old were you when you first thought of it? That was um, age 37. So it was age 37. And what 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 happened to cause it? Well, the um, little boat that I had built at this point, and I was ready to go, and I had saved up enough money, and I had a friend who had a van, and he and his wife were going to on vacation to Glacier National Park. My van, my, my boat fit inside their van. We, we just put it there, <laughs> and um, we they dropped me off just past Glacier National Park, they, there was a little stream there, um, and it was like nine inches deep, but I only needed six inches, and uh, so that's how I started. Sick. And that was um, right at the border with Canada. It was in it was in Montana, but very close to the border. And within a half hour, I was in Canada for a while, and then back into Montana. But that particular tributary was called the Milk River. There's a town called Milk River, Alberta, which of course I went to there. Did you? Ever- and uh, it was just a. It was just a logical way for me to get eventually further south. You know, at first you're just going east there because you're going east when you're on the Missouri. But once you hit the Mississippi, you're going south. And I needed to get south before winter hit, you know. Definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you have goal of writing a book from the beginning, or is that something that came up as time went along? Um, the former, yeah. I, I definitely wanted to write about it. I, I've... Um, I like to write. I've always written stuff, and I thought, hey, this sounds like this could be a good book. So, um, yeah, definitely. The second one was writing all along because there was a magazine producing the uh, installments of my book. That is so amazing. I, and I my just... wife was, was writing. My wife, um, she wrote a journal, 
and we we extracted from her material as well as mine, and she took all the photographs that's in the new book. And my wife, I, I need to, you know, stand up for her. She 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 doesn't really like to give interviews, so she's not here. But she is a, a tough customer. Um, we got mugs in oh. Costa Rica. These um, teenage boys snuck up on us, struggled to pull our backpacks off us. They were holding knives and big gnarly rocks. And within about 30 seconds, I'd, I'd, I'd been knocked to the ground, and I was saying, give up, Jenny, give up. And she kept fighting. And um, she, uh, and then when, when they did pull her um, backpack away from her and they ran off into the bushes, she ran after him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and she's not big. She's, she only weighs, well, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to say that, but she's a small, <laughs> light person. And uh, she's, she's tougher than she looks, you know. She fights back when I, when I had given up. Yeah, because I'm sure you weren't caring. Well, how many women can? How many women can you say would do that? I know one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at her. Depend. Well, I'm guessing that she was fighting for this stuff because you weren't carrying stuff that you didn't need. Well, she, you know, actually, she and I were um, asked some questions recently, and she divulged a part of that story that she'd never told to me before. Part, part, part A of that story was that. She didn't care about the money. There's only like a hundred bucks that we had. Uh, she didn't care so much about the digital camera. No big deal. We had all our documents there. That was a big deal. But the other big deal that, that was a news to me was that she was fighting this kid who was like 16 years old, maybe. And she could tell that this kid had never done this sort of thing before. He, there was another, you know, instigator, another more aggressive type that was there the one who said, let's rob those guys. And the one that she was tussling with, probably they said, you take her because she's not going to be difficult to, mm. to overcome. Well, this kid didn't actually want to hit her with the rock. He was holding a rock over her head, and he finally did kind of faint towards her head and scratch it and make blood run down her head. But he didn't want to really kill her. Mm-hmm. And um, she looked at him, looked at, looked in his eyes. She could tell that, that he, did, he was half-hearted about it, and she said she thought and she has now said that um she it would have been bad for him to have let him make it thing think to let him think that this was a proper or even feasible thing to do that it wasn't gonna that she had to teach him that this is wrong and therefore she fought back partly for that reason now, isn't that interesting that is very yeah. interesting well, i love that yeah she could think that clearly in a crisis situation yeah yeah. That's very good. Stephen, I need to take a very quick two or three minute break. Can you stay with us for 10 more minutes? Sure. Excellent. We'll be right back with Stephen Ladd, ladies and gentlemen, the book, The Five Year Voyage Exploring Latin American Coasts and Rivers. It's on Amazon. Ladd, spelled with two D's, L A D D. Stephen Ladd, right back after this. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. 
Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. If you were like me and constantly finding yourself in weight loss mode, I have great news. Continuum is here. It's new and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They're upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation. Find out more today. Simply go to their website, Continuum Weight weightwellbeing.com or call or text them at 952-491-6527 and catch the Continuum team on my podcast on Thursdays, 11.15 a.m. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen Ladd, our special guest, the five-year voyage exploring Latin American coasts and rivers. There's a word that's in the descriptor here. Stephen uh, was born to travel. Given his uh, lifelong experiences with daring global exploration, his natural next escape from boredom, that word popped up, Stephen, boredom. Do you get bored easily, I would imagine? Oh, um, I've always been a little bit... um leery of boredom i i don't like that right i, I do try to avoid that I, I have a low threshold for it i guess i i generally manage to avoid it but like say you go to the doctor's office oh no there's a line i didn't bring a book oh you know that's bad you try to avoid that <laughs> so you don't like just sitting there contemplating the your as the the, the hippies you say contemplating your navel uh, I remember, I will never, well, you're, you're old enough to remember that, the hippie generation. Oh, uh, yeah. No question. Was, is there a bit of a carryover from that generation to how you want to live your life, Stephen? Not that you were a hippie or anything, or maybe you were, but I remember a lot of people talking mm-hmm. about, I just want to go out there and I just want to, I want to walk the earth, or I, in your case, I want to boat the earth. I like that. I, I, I did have long hair and I was part of that, well seems like there was a uh, concentrated period of people wanting to travel that did have long hair in the, yep. uh, it probably started in the 60s, but for me it was the early 70s. I, um, I traveled through Asia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Morocco, when there were a lot of people traveling. It was, it was a big thing then. I don't know if it's happening still or not. I guess there's what you call backpackers. There are some, some people, but I don't think it's big like it used to be. Yeah, I think I'm mostly I'm off right. the beaten track. Whatever I do, I, every now and then, like in Ginny's, Ginny's and my travel, the five year voyage, we we would find ourselves occasionally in a spot where that is kind of a mecca of of backpackers, uh, young people traveling. But just very rare. Just every now and then, we bump into them. Mostly, we're doing our own thing someplace else. And it is all about doing interesting things. You know, one thing I do like about that, Steve, we're talking to Stephen Ladd about his book, The Five-Year Voyage, Exploring Latin American Coasts and Rivers. One thing I like about that is that yeah, I, I'm not big on just sitting around staring at the wall either. <clears throat> I try to get a few things. Matter of fact, i got two jobs, and I get a lot of stuff moving. I, I, I understand, Stephen, I, and maybe that's our age because we're about the same age. Um, 
Was living through the late 60s as teenagers, is that what put that in our head? And it's like, uh, hey, I just want to move, I want to get moving, and I want to just find all these interesting new things in life. Is that part of it? Mm-hmm. Certainly. That, yeah. that says it pretty well. It's a wanderlust. Um, way, the way that it's happened with me is it's not, a, it's not an entirely typical story. I've, I've done a lot of, like, small-scale just hikes and cross-country skiing and camping trips and so forth. And I've gone on some shorter travels. But my big tra- the, the unusual thing about me really is my big travels. And I've only had, to tell the truth, three of them. The first was right after high school, ages 18 and 19. And then 18 years later, the, the, what ended up being three years in a 12-foot boat, in my late 30s, and then the five-year voyage. And so I've, I've lived a normal life as well. That is, I've had a, a career, which I'm now retired from, um, but the, the wanderlust builds up and I go on another big trip. But then when that's done, my wanderlust has been satisfied and it's no longer like pressing me. And then it takes another, and for some reason, the intervals between these big trips have always been 18 years. And so 18 years goes by and the dam dam bursts again. And um, so the, the logical question to ask is, if I, uh, if I were to calculate it again, it might be that the next time is going to be like seven years from now. Am I going to travel again for seven years from now? Well, theoretically, yes, but not necessarily until then because I'm still sort of satisfied. With what, when, you fi- when you travel five years intensively, yeah. continuously, it really kind of satisfies you to a deep core level. And so you're kind of okay again, but it'll build up. So, Stephen, I have that's a question. what's the odd part about me. Oh, I don't know if it's odd. I, it, it, it makes total sense. Now, did you just sell all your worldly goods because you're going to be gone for five years? How did you handle that? And actually, we we didn't. We had I had a rent. I had a house that I found somebody to do manage it for me as a rental, and oh, okay, um, I had some some stocks and bonds, but I just, you know, you buy and hold, you know, you just forget about them for five years. You're not even looking at your portfolio for five years. You come back five years later and see how it's doing, you know, because you're not, you don't, you can't keep checking on where, where we're going. There's no, there's sometimes the ability to make a phone call because some of these countries, you're able to get the local phone and get a plan and you might be within a, a cell phone service area, but most of the time you're not. And you don't have the internet when you're traveling like this. Only in the cities, when you get to a place that's you know a um, island of civilization, then you stock up on finding out whatever that you need to know on the internet. We had to make our own map because where we went, there, there's a, like a map of the country of Colombia, mm-hmm. but there's no map of how to navigate its jungle rivers. You know that shows the different branches of the river and the tributaries and the islands. So when we got to those places where there is a cyber cafe, we would spend like sometimes a week just sitting there oh, making sure. a map from, from the internet, you know, satellite photos. So, um, it's, um, I forget how I got started on this particular rant, but you're going from like uh, lots of places that are really remote and you see no other people for days. And then you're in a regular city again, but then you're in the remote area again. That's the nature of this kind of travel. Now, when you leave the house, same house, 
You're going to leave. You're going to go on, and you know you're going to be gone. for. Did you Did you know you were going to be gone for five years? How long did you think you were going to be gone? Well, this, this trip, the five-year voyage, it um, was quite um, self-determining. It, we didn't determine right. what it was going to be. We, we built a boat that had, it turns out, great capacity. This, we didn't build it from scratch. We, we got a used fiberglass hull, and we made something kind of different out of it. And that boat turned out to be so capable that we, we, kept, we, started, we started, and only in phase one of the trip was what we had you know, pre-planned. And then we completed that. And uh, during that phase is when we tied the knot, got married. And then we said, this boat's really good. Let's keep going. We went down to Panama, and that was the end of kind of a phase because at that point we had to make a decision of whether we're going to go east across the Caribbean in a, you know, easterly direction or go through the Panama Canal and be on the Pacific side. But we chose to go east. At any rate, uh, when we got into the rivers and we realized it's a good river boat, and we can make portages by arranging as we go along. When we need to get transportation, we find a guy with a pickup truck or a trailer. We we just realized that uh, we can keep going in this matter and ended up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And uh, that was the end of that, though, because the rivers don't go any further. And so turned around and came back, which took another couple of years. What, was it kind of odd after, you know, say you walk out the door of your house, you don't know how long you're going to be gone. When you walk back in five years later, does it feel really weird to be back in your house after after all those years? There's a, there's a mixture of emotions there. Yeah. It, you're, used to, you're used to something, and now you're not going to be doing that anymore. So there's a, a disjuncture. There's a almost like a uh, <clears throat> culture shock. But but it's not a severe culture shock because you're back in places where you're used to. It it it's a culture shock that you overcome quite quickly because you are used to it. At first, it's like wow, the the drinking fountains have refrigerated water and the, <laughs> the bathrooms have have hot water. Right. And when you go to a restaurant, they expect you to want either the hot water or the cold water, you know. And whereas where you're used to being in places where you can't drink any of the water because it's all yeah. you know contaminated. So it's, it's a culture shock, but it's a nice culture shock. It is wonderful. Stephen Ladd, L-A-D-D, ladies and gentlemen, the five-year voyage exploring Latin American coasts and rivers. Stephen, you're a great guest. You're a hell of a nice guy. Thank Jenny for uh, you showing up uh, today. And I, Seven more years. I look, to, I look to hear from you in seven years when you do your new one. All right. Yeah, put it on your calendar. We'll, I'll, I'll be on your show in seven years. Sounds good. <laughs> well, seven plus whatever it takes to do the, the trip. Right. <laughs> well, that's true. But it's, uh, tw- I'll talk to you 12 years from now, Stephen. That'll be good. Right on. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. What a, he sounds like he's about 25, I for know Christ's he does. sake, doesn't yeah, he? Incredible how he he's really youthful. It's all and that just, fresh air and you guys should stay healthy. The only stress is staying alive. <laughs> That's I mean, all. I just remember like when I moved down to Jacksonville when I was, you know, my my mid twenties and I was down there for a few months and I came back to Minneapolis after I think about four or five months and to walk back into my mother's apartment felt really weird. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, God, I'm here again. I mean it, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. It is weird. That is going to do it. We will talk to you tomorrow with the family.